Thanks, Graham. I totally, totally forgotten about that, that uh, scene in Toronto. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to do some basic teaching tonight on evangelism. It's Evangelism 101. So I, um, I have like four months worth of material, and I'm going to try to squeeze that down. No, I'm just actually going to pull a few things out of, uh, of that uh, just in our, in our time together and kind of cover the basics. And then uh, maybe we'll leave some time at the end for questions and answers and, and that kind of thing just so that we, uh, we kind of cover, cover the material that you guys want to cover. But I do have a, a few qualifiers first before we, before we kind of get into it. And uh, just some things that, that are true and that you're uh, you know, it really won't matter what I teach you if these things are, are not in place. Uh, you know, it, it really won't help uh, unless, like, we're really serious about Jesus and we're really serious about working with the Holy Spirit and we realize that, like, that evangelism is uh, it's a God thing. It's a spiritual thing and that uh, we, have to, uh, we have to let God kind of work through us uh, in evangelism. And so what I've found is, is like, any area in my life uh, where I've really experienced God, I'm just going to naturally share that with other people. It's really natural for people to share good news. If something really good happens to us, the first thing we do is we try to find somebody to tell about that. And so, so I think one of the problems with evangelism is there's a lot of people in the church, and they've just kind of had a little bit of Jesus. They've just had kind of like an okay kind of experience with Jesus, and, and that's not really motivational to get out and tell other people. We don't rush out and go like, hey, guess what? I had something and it was okay. Like, we don't do that. We, we tend to share, like, when really, like, dramatic bad stuff happens or where really good stuff happens. And so what I found is, like, any area of my life where I've experienced God, if God has given me freedom from addiction, if he's... If he's healed me, if he's done something in my life that's really impacted me, it's going to be much easier for me to share that with other people. Uh, and so no amount of like guilt or saying you should do this or you should do that can, can make up for that. It's a, it's a God thing. It's like a Holy Spirit thing. And so a big part of evangelism is just our own relationship with God. Like the closer we are to Jesus, uh, the more he's going he's gonna to impact us, and then we're going to naturally want to share that with other people. And when that happens, it doesn't seem artificial, it doesn't seem forced, and it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like work. It seems like, you know, just a, the right thing to do, just a really, really good thing to do. And, uh, and so, and, and the other qualifier is, is that everything, uh, there are no, like, magic tricks to evangelism. It's not like a sales pitch where, where it's kind of like you say this and they say that, and if you do, all, if you do these five things, uh, then it will always work. Uh, evangelism is it's based on relationship. And, so, and, and the rule of relationship is the more, the more relationship I have with somebody, the more they trust me, and then the more they trust me, the more truth I can speak into their life. And so... So everything hinges on, on, uh, on having real relationships with people and really loving people. If people feel like they're a number or a target or like you have some kind of agenda, religious agenda that, that you want to do, um, they'll, they'll like be a little cautious and they'll kind of back up and, and it won't go so well. And so, so we've got we've to love God 
We've got to really be in love with God for evangelism to work. And then we've really also got to love people. Uh, we've got to have a real interest in people and really want the best for them. And, and, and people sense that. And so what I found is like if, if, uh, if somebody knows that I love them, I can say almost anything to them and it won't offend them. But if, if people think I have some kind of other agenda and I don't really care about them, like almost anything I do say will offend them. Uh, because they, they, can, they can feel whether or not I'm sincere and, and, uh, and whether or not I love them. And so, so those are just kind of a couple of like qualifying things for us to, all, all the stuff that I'm going to like teach tonight is, is, is based on, um, it's based on those two things. And, and it's all about like loving God and, uh, and loving people. Uh, how many of you would say, like, I'm a little nervous, a little hesitant, it could, the idea of sharing my faith with somebody else gives me pause. It's not something that comes natural to me. I, I kind of, uh, I freeze sometimes, and, and it, it, makes me, it makes me a little tense. Raise your hand if that's you. Okay, raise your, okay. Okay, so that's pretty much all of us, right? And so, uh, so, we, so we, have to, we have to have a good enough reason to get over our fear. What are, what are some of the reasons for that? Like, what are we... What are we afraid of about sharing our faith? What is it that, what are those, what barriers kind of get in the way and, and hold us back from doing it? What are some of the things that give us pause and that we're afraid of? Anybody want to volunteer? Yep. Yeah, like, because it's not, it's, it's cool to be spiritual, but it's not necessarily cool to go to church and love Jesus. That's not, that can be, and so, like, what if they, what if they judge me for that? Like, I want people to like me, and so what if they, what if they think bad thoughts about that and judge me for that? And so I'll, maybe I'll keep it secret. Maybe I'll just kind of play it cool uh, because I don't, I don't really want that to happen. What else? What's that? <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. I guess depending on where you're at, yeah. It doesn't often come. I've only, I've only been physically threatened like a few times, but, there, but it is possible, but... Uh, but you know, for the most part, that that doesn't happen. I do have a friend. He's actually he's actually a pastor. He's actually a Wesleyan pastor up in Fredericton, and he 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 grew up Pentecostal, so he grew up like in a a very bold uh, kind of church where they were really encouraged to share with everybody all the time. And so he was he was coming out of a restaurant, and a and a guy was like pulling in in a car. Two guys were pulling in in a car, and. Uh, he, he ran up to the car, and he goes like, hey, I, I go to Sunset Pentecostal Church. Like, I want to invite you 6 o'clock Sunday night. And uh, the guy was like, yeah, get out of here, kid. And he's like, yeah, 6 o'clock Sunday night. And the guy, the guy said, if you say that one more time, I'm going to punch you in the face. And he's like, don't forget, Sunset Pentecostal Church, 6 o'clock Sunday night. And the guy just, like, punched him in the face. That's the only guy I know in the Maritimes that actually got, like, hurt for inviting, inviting someone to church. But, uh, but it, you know, it's... There are, there are some dangers, often not physical dangers in our culture, but there are some dangers. What, what else? Who else had their hand up? Pride. Can you explain that one a little bit? Right, okay. Right, okay. Yeah, so that, that can become a barrier. Any, anything else? Yeah. Okay, yeah, there are certain, like, rules with certain jobs and stuff, right? And we don't want to, you know, we cross those lines. And, and so there is, there is some, uh, some risk involved there. 
Any, any other things you can think of? Anybody ever feel like I don't know enough? That's one sometimes too. Like what if somebody asked me a tough question about the Bible and I just like freeze and I don't know the answer? And, uh, and so, so there's those kind of insecurities come into play too. Am I, am I leaving anything out? Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I don't want to downplay like these. These are real things. These are real things that we struggle with. Um, but the way to get the we we have to basically step over those things. We have to go like Jesus. Jesus in the Bible said, you know, go into all the world. It's called the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Uh, you know, disciple all the nations. Tell everybody about me. And so, uh, so I had, basically what has to happen is I, like my, my relationship with Jesus and obeying Jesus and what he's told me to do, that has to kind of override all the other things, the negative things that, that could get in the way. I have to let that uh, take priority and trust uh, trust God in that. So all of us deal with insecurities. All of us deal with with like fear. At times, we we deal with all those things. And uh, what we have to do is just just say like Jesus is worth it. I'm gonna like step over that um, anyway in, in faith, and I'm gonna like I'm I'm just gonna do it. And anytime I've done that, um, I've found that that Jesus kind of rewards us for for taking that step of faith. I was preaching up in Ontario on Sunday. Um, Saturday night, we had gone out with, uh, uh, with some young adults um, that were kind of planning a missions trip, and we went out for coffee with them. And, and, uh, and, and we were, so we were talking all about spiritual things and outreach and stuff. And, and there was a girl named Bree. She's, uh, she's about 23 years old. And uh, she, she was there on Saturday night. And then, uh, and then Sunday morning, uh, like she came into church really excited, and she said, "Like, guess what I did? Like, I invited one of my coworkers. She's—I know she's not a Christian, but I invited her to church today, and she said, yes, yeah, she's coming. She's coming to the second service, you know. And uh, and and the 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 girl came to church and really enjoyed it. Like, really had a good time. It was really really positive." And and Bree was like Bree was like that was so like I feel so good that was so I've been so afraid to do that, but uh, but she loved it and she even said she wanted to come back and and so a lot of times the barriers are kind of like there in our own in our own minds they're not necessarily like real with the other person there there are things that we have to kind of step over and get over and uh, and so I would just encourage you to uh, to. Uh, to be bold and to kind of take those steps of faith, and Jesus will honor that. Jesus will, um, he will, he will reward you uh, for your for your steps of faith. And uh, and so we're we're going to get into some teaching, some practical stuff. We may do some role playing. I'll try to keep it as interactive and uh, interesting as as I can. And uh, and and I also want you to know that. Um, that I don't, I don't just kind of like teach this in, in theory. Like this is, uh, I actually had a chance to lead somebody to Jesus last night. It was really awesome. Like I was, I was up, uh, I was in prison, which doesn't sound like a good thing to say, but I was, I was in prison 
Uh, I took a group of students to prison, and I, I realized as we were going, like, these students have been w- with me all year, and I realized, like, that I'd given everybody else a job up front for the chapel service we were going to do. And I, I basically kind of, like, through the year, I've worked myself out of a job. I realized, like, I'm not doing anything tonight, but driving, I'm just driving the van, and I'm hanging out. So, so I was kind of half-joking, and I said to the students, I was like, I'm not even going up front tonight. I'm going to go into, uh, into the chapel. Uh, I'm going to find, like, the scariest-looking prisoner uh, who's sitting at the back of the room, and I'm just going to go hang out with him all night. And, uh, and I walked in, and it was a really scary-looking guy sitting over in the corner. And I was like, okay, God, I guess you got me. Like, I said I was going to do this. So I, was, so I walked over, sit down. He, he's, he's, uh, his name is Sean. He's from Alberta. And... Uh, you know, and, and my students are up front, like, doing the service. And then, uh, you know, and, uh, like, towards, towards the end, um, uh, one of my students, uh, Brady, he's, he's been here, like, at the youth group and stuff before, leading worship. Uh, he, he just gets up, and he, and he says, like, you know, you, you really need Jesus. And he, he kind of preaches for maybe, like, four minutes. And, uh, and I'm sitting next to Sean, and Sean just starts... He puts his head down, and he puts his, his head in his hand, and he just starts sobbing. He's like heaving in the corner. He's like crying so hard that it's noticeable to everybody in the room. And, uh, and, and Brady says, like, if you need to accept Jesus, raise your hand, like, and his hand goes up. And, uh, and when Brady's done praying, I'm like, you know, Sean, can I, can I pray with you? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, what? what's God doing? Like, what do, you, what do you need to happen? And he's just, he's just like, I just need forgiveness, man. Like, I just need Jesus. And so, and so we prayed, and eventually he stopped crying and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it was like a real, it's what I call like a divine appointment. Where, uh, and I had been like kind of half joking in the van, like, I'm just going to find the scariest guy and go back and sit with him and see what happens. And and I was like, God, that's exactly what you did. Like, that's exactly what you did last night. Uh, you, you brought Sean to yourself um, just, just through, through everything that, that was going on. So, so we never really know. Uh, Bill Hybels wrote a book called Just Walk Across the Room. It says the scariest part of evangelism is the first part. It's that part where you, like, see somebody that you don't know, and you have a feeling maybe they're not a Christian. And whether it's like you're in a room or a park or whatever, like you just, you, you just don't stop to question or think. Like you just, you just walk across the room or you walk across the park or the shelter or whatever it is and you walk up to them and you go like, hi, my name is Mike, how you doing? And you just, you start, you just walk across the room and you start a conversation. And sometimes those conversations don't go too far, but sometimes it ends up being like, like Sean where, where, like something really, ama- something that blows your mind happens that, that you weren't really, like weren't really expecting. And uh, so God wants, to, God wants to use us all. He wants, to, uh, he wants to use us to reach other people. And so um, we're going to uh, just kind of work ourselves through some things. So let's start with this. Evangelism is not for the weak, all right? I should know. I wrote a whole book about it, self-published. 
most Christians, they are just good for bake sales and potluck dinners. But I'm telling you this right now. It takes a lot of moxie to grab a non-believer by the shirt collar and throw him in the front doors of a church and say, Hey, try living out your heathen life in front of a holy God that way. It is like holy water on a vampire. That's divine intervention, my friend. Repent for the kingdom of the Lord is nigh. Come to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, sir, it sounds like you're really passionate about Jesus. I am. Um, and you should also be Okay. passionate about the Lord. Sir, if there's... You need to get sanctified or chicken fried. You need to get with the Lord or drive a Ford. Sir, we... Get right or get left. I share my faith. Okay, that's a lie. People don't even know I'm a Christian. I want to. Again, another lie. I hardly shower, much less have the will to do anything else. Okay, now if there was pizza and ice cream every time there was faith sharing, I'd do it. That's a lie. I'm lactose intolerant. Again, another lie. I'm just too cheap to buy dairy. Bottom line... Sharing my faith makes me sweaty. Uh, tip number 95. Um, use big church words like transubstantiation. Heathens get confused easily. And the more confused they are, the more shame they are. The more shame they are, the more apt they are to make a decision for Jesus Christ. I believe it's a responsibility, no. The privilege, no. The glorious privilege of every believer to share their faith with others. That's why I share my faith with everyone I come in contact with. Everyone, really? <laughs> Yeah, everyone. How do you do that? Uh, check out my shirt. Can't read it? Try this glove. Not working for you? How about this bracelet? No comprendo? Vistazo a estos. <laughs> Driving behind me? Read my bumper sticker. It says, it's okay if you follow close. I'm going to heaven. <laughs> oh, you're my waiter or waitress? I got a tip for you. Surprise! It's the gospel. I mean, what do you want? Money or eternity? <laughs> I also use these tracks. <laughs> So, what about talking to people about your faith? I, I don't really like people, but I love Jesus. <laughs> Scripture mint? Hi, my name is George. And I'm Jorge, and together we're George and Jorge. Right, right. Uh, what we like to do is to take secular songs and reprogram them. Yes, the purpose is for evangelism. We like to take songs to the unbelieving world and make it believable. Right, right. Let us give you a sample right now. Why don't you just give it all up to Jesus tonight? Pray for your soul today, for your soul today. Just pray. I was a freshman in college the first time I invited someone to church. My best buddy called me. I was working at a grocery store. I was in the back cutting carrots, and my buddy called me. And I just said, hey, do you want to go to church with me tonight? And uh, I remember his words. He said, sure, I got nothing better to do. And I went to church with him. And you know, I went there because they were serving pizza that night. Um, I don't remember what was said. I don't remember what was sung. During the services, I remember praying for him and just asking God, to please reach out and touch his heart or do something because I knew he needed Jesus. And then um, 
God answered my prayers. That night changed my life, September 17th, 1987. It changed my life because I realized I needed a savior. So did you notice what like really worked, like after all the gimmicky stuff, like what really worked there was, was like, he just, he just loved his friend and he, and he was willing to invite him, he was willing to like tell him the truth, take, take a risk. Uh, and so, so when uh, we know Jesus and we know other people that don't know Jesus, and it's kind of like, it's kind of like you, ever, you, ever have a, you ever have two friends but they don't know each other and you want to introduce them to each other but you're a little afraid that, like, what if they don't like each other? Then it will make my relationship with them a little awkward if they don't actually like, like each other. And it's, it's, it's that same kind of uh, the risk that we take. It's a, it's a relational risk. When we, uh, when we introduce Jesus into our relationships, uh, but it's totally worth it because Jesus, um, Jesus really loves that other person, and he wants a relationship, uh, relationship with them. And so um, God's love advances um, through meaningful relationships, and, uh, and, and that's, that's a, a kind of a biblical pattern. Uh, and there's no shortcuts like around that, um, and so we have to we have to uh, foster meaningful relationships with those who don't know Jesus. To to go out of our way to purposely have relationships uh, with people that that aren't Christians yet, and uh, so so that's kind of if you're in public school or you're in a job where you're rubbing shoulders with people um, all the time that. That kind of happens uh, naturally. It's a little bit. It's a little bit tougher if you you're working in a place where uh, if you're working like in a religious setting where people are you going to like Christian school or you're working at a church or something like that. You have to be a little more purposeful uh, about it. But there are, there are three big areas of common ground uh, where we where we can have where we have meaningful relationships with with non Christians. One is uh, just kind of kinship, if you think of your extended family, if you think of all the people in your family, there's going to be somebody in your family somewhere. Even if you've been a Christian, you know, for a long time and there's a lot of Christians in your family, there's always somebody there that you already have a natural relationship with because your family that you can share Jesus with. Uh, and then there's, then there's our friends and, and our neighbors. Uh, my wife, Colleen, is, is here. She's kind of sitting right over there, and she's she is uh, just an expert at, at forming relations. She just finds ways to connect with people. We have uh, we had a lady who was living across the, the street from us, and Colleen noticed that she walked a lot, and so she just said to her like one day, uh, hey, uh, you like to walk and I like to walk. Maybe we could walk together. And walking was, the, was like the common thing that they had in common. And, and as you walk, you talk and you share things. And eventually, Colleen was, was able to kind of share what Jesus uh, meant to her. And uh, this lady had grown up in the church in, uh, in Haiti when she, was, when she was a child, but had kind of gotten away from it. And, uh, and then a little while after they started walking, she was, she was actually diagnosed, our neighbor was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, she died, I think it was like last April. Uh, we went to her funeral. But the, the really cool thing was that she... Through that relationship, to just start it by walking 
and talking together, uh, she rediscovered the faith of her childhood. She got back in touch with her faith uh, before she died. And, uh, and, and so uh, it's those relationships that we have and, and just like association, common, common interests. Uh, you play hockey, I play hockey. We both like hockey. So that's a chance for us to connect in something that we both share that's kind of non-threatening and, uh, and just kind of talking about Jesus from, uh, from there. Um, this is how people are brought, how they end up like long-term members of a church. And I know that, I know that going to church isn't exactly the same thing as being a Christian, but, but in our culture, if you go to church on a regular basis, there's, there's, there's not a lot of cultural reasons to do that. Nobody will think less of you if you don't. And so, so if you're ending up in a church long-term, chances are it means that, that you have a relationship with Jesus, that you've met Jesus. And um, advertisements, you know, 2%. The pastor, because he's only one person, might bring like 6% into the church. Organized outreaches are good, and they help us to, they help train us to uh, like, to talk to people and to get used to, uh, to helping people, but that's only uh, 6%. It's, it's most people end up in church because, of, because they've, they've uh, been witnessed to by friends or relatives or somebody that had like a really uh, trusting relationship with them, and, and uh, they talked to them about Jesus, and they invited them to the church, and, and that's how they ended up. And so, so relationship uh, all through the Scripture, Jesus... Jesus' ministry was a ministry of, like, walking around, interacting with people. He taught the disciples to do that. And, uh, and it's, still, it's still the same today. You know, uh, technology is great, but it can't really replace. There's nothing that can replace one-on-one, face-to-face, uh, talking to people and just telling them what, what Jesus has done in our lives. Here are some key times of openness, like when people are more open to talking about Jesus or the Bible or church uh, or something spiritual. And they all, they all kind of share something in common. Uh, when, people are getting, when people are contemplating getting married, they're more open to spiritual stuff. Why do you think that is? Why would be people be more open when they're getting married? Any thoughts? What's that? Draw <laughs> drama, <laughs> scare. Yeah, it's like one of those steps into adulthood, isn't it? It's like I'm, you know, I, I should, I should probably start thinking more seriously about life because I'm, I'm entering into this, uh, this phase of adulthood. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, after a divorce, uh, because divorces are like a little, it's a death of a relationship. It's traumatic, and uh, sometimes people are having to start over again. And when, when we have to start over. We're kind of, when, we get, when we're forced to be open in one area of our life, it kind of opens us up in all areas. So people are much more likely to accept invitation to church and stuff like that if they're going through a divorce. The birth of a first child. I remember bringing, uh, I have four daughters. I remember bringing our first daughter home, like laying her down in the crib and thinking like, oh my goodness, I'm an idiot. I can hardly take care of myself. And now I'm responsible for this totally helpless like a little baby, I gotta up my game. I gotta get more serious here about, you know, about my life. And it's that when we have kids, it, uh, it's that same kind of thing. Uh, death raises when when we lose people and they die. It raises question marks, uh, like what happens after we. It, it 
it just brings eternity into focus for people, and so they're more more open then. Uh, if we're if we have to change jobs because that's a major shift in our life, um, uh, the early years of child rearing. If if uh, if moms are if 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 all people are experiencing is like talking to kids and skittle them a rinky dinky do and you know that kind of like they people crave adult conversation and churches are churches that provide opportunities uh, in the early uh, years of child rearing they they uh, people are much more likely to kind of plug in then financial crisis after uh, after relocation and so um, the key words are whenever Whenever people are in some kind of a crisis or there's some kind of a need that surfaces in their life, like a felt need, a real obvious need, uh, and, and, or there's a, there's a period of major transition, maybe they're moving across the country and they have to relocate in a new area, they're just much more open to new relationships, uh, New going to church, uh, talking, uh, talking about things that they might not talk about otherwise, uh, and so, so it's all it's all God moves through relationships, um, and and there's and there's some key times when we're uh, when we're talking to people where they're they're uh, much more likely to be open uh, than than other times, and so that's uh, that's kind of good stuff to to know. In the Bible, uh, in the Bible, uh, Jesus Jesus uh, has a parable. It's called the parable of the sower, and and in the in the story, uh, it's like a farmer goes out to sow his seed, and he throws the seed, and some some falls uh, on uh, real hard soil, and the seed doesn't sink in. Other uh, other seed like falls, and and it. And it it goes in a little bit, but then it's choked out by by the the weeds uh, that are there, and and uh, and then there's and there's uh, soil that's like really good soil, and the the seed takes root and uh, and grows up and turns into a plant, and and so Jesus is telling this farming story, and and the disciples are like Jesus, why are we talking about farming? What's going on here? And so he's like, he pulls them aside and he goes, "Let me explain it to you. Like the the seed is the word of God; it's the truth, and uh, and the and, and there's four different kinds of soil. When uh, when the the seed when the word of God falls on different kinds of soil, it's going to get different kinds of reactions. Uh, and so we have to have a really realistic picture of evangelism. It's um, Jesus kind of promised us that that a lot of evangelism would just be the hard work part. It wouldn't be the part where we saw something visible happen. And and most of us are pretty addicted to just anything that has immediate results and feels good. And and so so like we'll witness to somebody, but if they don't become a Christian right away, we get like disappointed. And we might get discouraged, and we might kind of we might kind of back off from it. But uh, but according to the parable that that Jesus told, like there's going to be, uh, it's not just about us witnessing, and it's not just about God's word. It's about it's about who's receiving it and the kind of soil that they have in their heart. Now I want to qualify that by saying that um, like somebody that's super open today, they might have experiences in their life that close them off. So you might talk to them like two years from now and they have a hard heart. Or you might talk to somebody 
and they seem really hard-hearted today, but God might bring things into their life, and like two years from now, they might be totally wide open. And so these are not like permanent conditions in people's hearts. Uh, we, we're all kind of in, in flux, but, but as we talk to people, we're going to get different responses, and those responses determine what we're supposed to do. And so, uh, so there's four conditions of the heart and, and like four different levels of witnessing. So sometimes uh, if we get in a relationship with somebody and we start telling them, like, let me tell you what God means to me. Let me tell you, like, about Jesus. And, um, and uh, they're, they're, they kind of have a hard heart and they resist it. Um, you know, it's obviously like we're not going to lead them to Christ. Uh, you know, in that condition, we have a different job uh, when we run into a person that's, that's in that state. So what is, uh, give me some practical examples of what, like, how you could tell if somebody has a hard heart at the moment. You start talking to them about Jesus, about spiritual things. How do you know when, when they've got a hard heart? They, yeah, they could. Yeah, they could. They could. If they have that, like, sometimes it's a real aggressive, like, well, I don't believe in that, that, that you know, that could, there, so the, that, that could be like a sign that like this person's really turned off to God right now and they've got a they've got a hard heart. Any anything else? Right. Yeah, and a lot of people don't um they don't like biblically Biblically, God is, he's a good father, uh, and every good and perfect thing comes from him, but there's also, there's also Satan, and Satan has come to kill, steal, and destroy, and so every, I have a really simple theology, God good, devil bad, right? And like, a lot of people are getting mad at God because they don't understand it's a fallen world, and the devil is real, and the devil is worth And so, like, if you're going to get mad at anybody, like, get mad at Satan. Don't get mad at God is the one who brings good things into your life. He's for you. But a lot of people kind of don't, don't understand that. Any, uh, anything else like a hard heart? Yeah, so they can be passively. It can be like you're talking to them about Jesus, and they're like, yeah. And they're just, they're not fighting with you. They're not arguing. They're just, they're just like tuning out and, and giving really just one word vague kind of. And so it's like a passive kind of resistance. And so, so our job, if we're talking to somebody who has a hard heart, our job at that point is just to like break up the soil a little bit. We're not going to lead them to Jesus, uh, but, but we, can, we can help them just by um, sometimes it's just a matter of like, if, if somebody uh, says, like, how could, how could a good God allow evil to happen? Just, like, explaining that a little, giving them something to think about. Just arguing with them in a, in a pleasant way, just a little bit. You know, so sometimes I'll people, like, I'll street people sometimes, kind of, you know, like, I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. And I'll be like, well, yeah, well, God doesn't believe in atheists. You know, and I'll just kind of come back at them a little bit. And like not just in a playful way, right? But just kind of challenge their thinking, breaking up the soil a little bit. Um, I was in. I know. I know some of you are going to New York. One of the coolest things I ever saw in New York was like there was this guy. He was like he was sitting on a stoop, 
uh, and we were like bringing them food. Uh, it was at night, and we we're bringing them food, and and they were like, so these teens walk up, and they're like, hey, uh, you know, we're from the church, and we're giving food, and he just like starts off on a rant. He immediately starts like, you know, if God loved me, and he just starts like he's really angry at God, uh, and he had he had really. Like, you could see his feet. He had really bad shoes on, and his feet were all, like, messed up. And, and he was like, he was like, look at the, like, I don't even have a decent pair of shoes. Like, oh, and he and is like going on. While everybody else was kind of arguing with him, there was this one teen, and I saw the teen, like, looking at the guy's feet. And he had a brand-new pair of running shoes, and he looked at his, he looked at his feet, and they, were, and they were the same size. And so while everybody else was talking, he just took off his running shoes, and he came and he turned them around, and he put them in front of the guy, and he just walked away. And, like, the guy shut up. The guy was just like, really? Thank you. And the whole, like, the whole atmosphere changed because love breaks up the hard soil. Like, an act of love like that can say way more than, than a lot of words will. And so, um, and then just praying for people. The Bible says that, that Satan blinds the mind. When we're unbelieving, that Satan, like, he puts a veil in front of our eyes, and he blinds us from that. So sometimes it's a matter of, like, praying, like, God, help my friend to see the truth. Help them to see what life is, is really like. I come from a totally non-Christian background. Like, we, we just, me and my friends, we were just kind of, like, out there. And then a whole bunch of us all became, it was, like, through this weird series of circumstances like all the people who were the least likely to, to go to church, we all became Christians around the same time. Just like a little, little bunch of us, we all suddenly like just did a, did a 180 and we became Christians. And our other friends were like, what is going on? This is so weird. Like, what's going on? And we would, we would get together and pray for our friends. And we would pray things like, you know, God, when they go to the club this weekend, like make them miserable. Like make every drink that they take taste horrible. And, and just make them really, everything that used to make them happy, like make them unhappy until they realize who you are. You know, we, and we pray, and then, we, and then it would be like, hey, how was your weekend? It was like, oh, man, what a horrible weekend. And we'd be like, yeah, you know. Uh, and so we break up the hard soil sometimes uh, like that. Uh, if we get someone who is like, someone who is semi-open, they're, they're like open to, they're open to the gospel, but just a little bit, you know, you can't like, you can't bring, like, a, a dump truck full of biblical knowledge in and dump it all. You're like, they're just, they're just little. Uh, that's the time to plant seeds. And seeds are just, like, little pieces of truth. They're things to us that might seem really mundane and ordinary, but it, they're revolutionary for some people. Just the thought, like, God actually loves you. Like, he doesn't hate you. He loves you. He's got good, just a seed. He's got a plan for your life, period. That's it. That's all he can handle. He's got, and you say it to them like over and over and over again until finally it sinks in. And one day they say to you, well, you know, God loves me, right? And I'm like, whoa, hey, he got it. Like he's, it's getting in there. And so just planting those, a lot of evangelism is just, is just like working with people and planting those little seeds, those little seeds of truth and kind of counteracting the lies that Satan is, you know, like nobody cares about me. No, man, God cares about you and we care about you. I'm not worth anything. No, you're valuable because you are a child of God. And uh, he's got plans for just little things like that, just kind of over and over again. Um, uh, my, my wife, Colleen, she was, uh, I, like I said, I come from a, a non, like an anti-Christian background. 
And so I was like the white sheep of the family. I rebelled and got into Jesus and went to church. You know, it was all weird. And, uh, and like, we reap generously. Uh, we'll, if we sow generously, we'll reap generously. And if we sow sparingly, we'll... So what that means is, in terms of evangelism, is if I'm talking to a lot of people about Jesus, I'm much more likely to be leading people to Jesus along the way. And when we lead, as a Christian, when I lead somebody to Jesus, it's like a spiritual high. It's like, it's like a, it boosts our, it helps our own faith. It like builds us up in our own faith. Like whenever I lead somebody to Jesus, I like, basically I'm just like, woo! You know, it's, it's just like a, it's like a high point in the spiritual journey. And God gives us just enough of those to kind of keep us, to kind of keep us going. And, uh, and so we, uh, if we're really serious about bringing people to Jesus, what we need to do is, like, be ready to do all of this. We need to be ready. We can't get discouraged. Like, if we get somebody who's really hard heart, we just got to be ready to kind of talk, keep, keep working with them. Uh, if somebody, if, if we think somebody is becoming a Christian much too slow, it's like, why are they taking so long? We just got to be, like, patient and keep on, keep on watering and keep on uh, encouraging them and... Uh, you know, and, and we, will, we will see people, we will see people come to Jesus. And, uh, and so you're going to encounter, you're going to encounter all different kinds of people with all different, and they're going to be in different spiritual states. Some are going to be wide open, some are going to be really closed off. A lot of times when people are closed off, it's because they've been hurt, um, and, they're, and they're hard to protect themselves. They uh, something has happened in their life, and, and it's been connected to God somehow, and so they, they close them. You know, maybe they had a father that beat them, and that somehow they connected the way their father was with God the Father, and, and so they're, they're protecting themselves. And, uh, and once people uh, trust us and we can kind of get underneath the surface and, and uh, past that, we can, we can help show them who, who God really is. And... Uh, so there's the parable of the sower in Matthew, uh, which is a great piece of scripture to study. I went over it really quick, but just to study about uh, about the different conditions of people's hearts. Uh, and then Second Corinthians two six talks about sowing and reaping generously. If we're if we're generous with sharing, uh, we will we will see people will reap generously. And then First Corinthians three six to nine talks about us being fellow workers with God. And so when, when somebody comes to Jesus, like it's really, there's two things going on. God, the Holy Spirit, is working on them kind of this way. He's working in their hearts. He's using the witness of nature. He's using their conscience. He's using the Bible if they'll read it. And, and, but most of the time, he's also using us. There's very, it's possible, but there are very few people that, that say, like I was just sitting in my room one day. Jesus appeared to me. And I became a Christian, you know. Like almost, almost all the time, it's God working. God and Satan work through people. And so when Satan wants to do something evil in the world, he just doesn't like, he doesn't like show up at the foot of your bed, right, and just kind of go like, ah, like that, you know, because that, that would just actually cause you to pray more and to be closer to Jesus. He, he finds like a crazy person, right, a person that's open to him, and he whispers like, you, should, you know what you should do? You should get a gun. You should go kill some people. That's how Satan works. And, and God, when God wants to work on the earth, that's the, it's the same thing. God, God says like, see that person over there? They're really lonely. Like, you should go and befriend them. You should, you should tell them about, 
uh, about me. You should, you should, uh, you should go and, and do something. And God works through us, um, through us to reach other people. And so the we're that's all like qualifying stuff, and we're kind of getting to um, to the main things that we're going to deal tonight, which is like real, just kind of practical, practical nitty gritty stuff. And so, so, um, so this for for the rest of the time, uh, we're going to work through what I call the the like it's not a formula, but the, these are five things that usually happen when we're witnessing and when we're dealing when we're working with non Christians. Um, these can happen over like a two-year period or like a two-month period, or sometimes they can happen all just like at one time. Sometimes it's just like you're with somebody for an hour and you kind of go through all of these things and it just happens naturally. And we're going to talk about each one, but um, there's like, we're going to talk about like, how do you, what's the right way and the wrong way to approach people? There, there's some uh, really common sense things that we can do. Uh, and things that we shouldn't do uh, when we're approaching people. They're just uh, Dale Carnegie uh, working with people kind of things. Uh, and, then, and then the transition is how do I go from just like really getting along with somebody and talking about hockey or talking about the weather or talking about music, something that's general, how do I transition to, uh, to, to the spiritual? How do I get it? Because... Most of the time, the non-Christian, the non-Christian is gonna, not going to go like, oh, uh, by the way, what must I do to be saved, right? They're not going to, like, bring it up. So if we're uncomfortable bringing it up, like, imagine how they would feel. And so, so we've got to find a way to transition. And, and there's, a lot of, there's a lot of cheesy, bad ways that we can do that that kind of, you know, like, you're at Tim Hortons and you're like, see this donut? It's got a whole... It's like the God-shaped hole that all of it, you know, you can, you can go that route, and, but, like, often that backfires and doesn't work. So, like, how do you, how do you transition? And we're, I think we're going to, if it's okay, if you guys want to have some fun, we can role-play this. We can get some people up and kind of role-play a little bit. One can be the Christian. One can be the non-Christian. How would you approach them? What would you, what would you talk about? And then how would you turn it to something spiritual? And then uh, we're going to talk about our personal testimony because our testimony is a really, it's a really cool bridge. Ultimately, what we're trying to do is get people to the truth of the Scripture, the truth of the Bible. Uh, but, but most people aren't ready to just kind of jump there. And so our, our story of what God has done in our lives can be a nice bridge to get them there. Because people don't argue with your story. You don't, you don't say, like, I had this really cool, like, encounter with God. Most people, they're like, no, you didn't. You know, they don't argue with your story, right? Like, they accept it as it's non-threatening. It's your story. So it, it brings God into the conversation, but it's still non-threatening because it's about you, and it's not, it's not about them yet. Uh, and then we're going to talk about, um, like, presenting the Scripture, you know, whether or not we use tracts or the Bible or, you know, what, how, do, how do we do that. And then the verdict is is bringing somebody to like a decision about Jesus, kind of getting them down to, to realize I need to make, Jesus died on the cross and he died for me, so I can't be passive about that. I can't just leave that hanging out there. I have to decide what I'm going to do with that. So it would be kind of crazy, be kind of crazy to have a trial. If you have this like three months trial and like all the witnesses get on the stand 
uh, and, then, and then at the end, there's no verdict. It's like, hey, it's been a great three months getting together. Uh, you got all the information? See you later. Like the whole point of a trial is to come to a conclusion, right? To come, and it's, it's the same with when we talk about Jesus, the whole point is, is to bring people, you know, to realize who he is, what he's done for us, and, and uh, to bring them to some kind of, and the decision can be uh, like, yes, I believe this, and I'm ready to accept it, or no, I don't believe it. And, and a lot of times it's part of me believes it, and part of me doesn't, and I'm not quite ready yet, but I'm still open. Uh, a lot of times that's the decision, and you just keep, keep on working uh, with people uh, from there. And so, so let's talk a little bit about um, just some, what are some good and bad uh, approaches? What are some things that we should do as we're getting to know people and uh, with the idea that we're, you know, we're kind of befriending them and we want to introduce Jesus into the equation at some point? Okay, yeah, just like, just, it's pretty common sense, right? But if you, uh, if you, and I'm terrible with people, I'm terrible with names, so I have to really work hard at this. But if you, when you use somebody's name, like emotionally what that's saying to them is like, you are important, I value you. And so if, if we're working with people and we take the time to, to just like introduce ourselves, get their name, uh, and then we can, if we can use their name several times in the conversation, it's going to help us to remember, and it's going to kind of validate them as a person. Now, we know that uh, if we forget somebody's name, that doesn't mean they're not, but, but that's what it means emotionally to them. If somebody, like, recognizes you and remembers your name, uh, they're like, oh, they remember me. That, that, kind of, that means I'm important to them. And so just little things like that can be significant sometimes. What, what other things? Yeah, just little, yeah. So most Christians are nervous if they're witnessing to somebody, and so they tend to look like this. So if somebody's approaching you looking like this, you know, you're immediately, it's got nothing to do with Jesus. They're just backing up because you're so weird, right? And so, so if we're approaching people, people will mirror back whatever we do to them. And so uh, if we're, like, super stressed, they're going to get stressed with us. And, and it's not going to go as well. And so using people's names, smiling, being not in a, not in a plasticky way, but just like in a real way, like smiling, being engaging, looking. Um, I think, you know, sometimes people ask the question, like, what should Christians look like or how should they dress? And it's, it's basically, you know, like everybody else, just like wear clothes and uh, wear clothes and be nice to people. Like it just comes to, if we look... If we're wearing the big, like, Christian T-shirt that's, you know, with the big, like, sword on it and, like, and we're coming towards people, they don't know if we're from a, they don't know what we are, right? And so just kind of, like, blending in culturally uh, with the issue of modesty always in play, obviously. There's, there's, uh, there's some issues, there, there's some lines that we don't want to cross there, but for the most part, we should, uh, we should fit into the people that we're, that we're trying to reach. Um, any, anything else? Any other people kind of approaching principles? Right, right. Yeah, just all, you know, having the attitude of Christ and be, right. 
Yeah, so we should, we should be, you know, unless God calls, every once in a while God will call us to argue. If somebody's argumentative and they enjoy that and that's the way they communicate, God might call us to argue. But for the most part, we don't want to argue with people. Uh, we don't want it to create any bad feelings. We don't want to talk about anything controversial, really, you know. So if, we, if, we, if we're walking up like, hi, my name is Mike. What do you think of Donald Trump? You're like, you're already in trouble, right? Like, you're already, it's like, because like, depend, like you know, it's going to go one way or the other, and it's going to be weird no matter which way. So, you know, sticking to stuff that uh, basically what we have to do is just give, like, the other person time to get comfortable with us. And so... Small talk is kind of essential, just like, just talking about things that aren't that serious. And, and what that's doing is, like, it's allowing the other person to check you out, uh, make sure you're okay, make sure you're not weird, and, uh, and just to kind of get comfortable together before you talk about anything serious. And so, um, so it's essential, and I, I would uh, recommend that we listen to people at the beginning more than we, when we're first meeting, and we listen to them more than we talk. Uh, and in a conversation, if you let people, if you, people love to talk about themselves, and if, so if you let them talk about themselves, you'll learn all about them, uh, and, they'll, and they'll feel really good. The, you know how to be a good conversationalist? Just listen. Sometimes people do all the talking, and they'll go like, man, you are a great conversationalist, cause like, basically, because you just listen to them. And, uh, and so if we, if we listen, we'll, we'll eventually get a turn to, to speak and to kind of say our part, but it's kind of showing deference to the other person. It's, it's, it's making them feel important because they really, because they really are important. Any, anything else that you can think of that uh, just kind of like general things about? Yeah, don't try to be something that you're not. Don't put on airs. Don't... Uh, you know, act overly religious or, you know, anything. Just, just be a normal person. Be, be yourself. Be who you are. Yeah, humor is, humor is always good. I, my, my favorite teacher in high school gave me the best piece of advice I ever got. He pulled me aside after class one day, and I had no idea why he did this. He was a geography teacher. He's like, Mike, can you stay for a minute after class? I'm like, yeah, okay. And I'm like, what's going on? So I go over, and he just looks me in the face, and he goes like, I want you to always remember this. I'm like, okay. And he says, if you can't be good, you should at least be funny. Right? And I'm like, okay. And then I left. <laughs> but it's been a really good piece of advice. Like if you, you know, if you, if, if you can't like, if you can't say something deep, you should at least, you know, be entertaining along the way. There's something about humor. Uh, when we laugh together, everybody relaxes. It means we're friends. And when we eat together and laugh together, those are, those are, are good things. So it, let's say we're let's say we're uh, we've met somebody we're getting along really well we we kind of click, um, and, and it's obvious that you know that we like each other. Uh, how do we introduce Jesus, talking about Jesus into that without it feeling artificial or awkward or how do we that that's the sticking point uh, for a lot of people. It's like I can get along with people. I'm really good, like hanging out, but I don't know how to—I don't know how to actually transition over to talking about Jesus or talking about spiritual things. Anybody got any ideas besides the Tim Hortons donut?
Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. When it's a, when there's a lull and it kind of shifts over to they've talked a lot and it's time for your turn to talk. That could be kind of a natural natural transition there. Any anything else? Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. Any anybody else? Yeah, and and you'll be able to see like people's reaction. Like you'll get like a green light, like they're okay with that, or a caution, like 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 kind of like, well, that's making me a little uncomfortable. Or or you can get like you can t people will, if you mention spiritual things and they tense up and look really uncomfortable, then maybe you get to like go really slow because maybe there's something there in their background that happened that that makes them really uncomfortable with that. Sometimes I will just, uh, like, I'll just ask, like, a simple question. Like, it'll, it'll, it'll be like, you know, hey, um, like, I teach at a, a Christian university, and so I'm, like, I'm training people to, to help others and to do ministry. So I'm just, I'm curious. I'm always wondering what, what people's beliefs are. But like, what do you, what do you believe about God? Who do you think God is? Like, what do you think God is like? Just, like, asking questions like that, and it just kind of opens the door. It's kind of opens the door, and you let them talk, and you kind of, kind of go back and forth, and 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 then after if they've said something after that, you can say don't argue with them. Say, well, that's really interesting. Here, here's what I think, you know, and you and you can start to share your your testimony from there. So, so I've said uh, it's really important not to like react if people say really crazy things, because I've I've. Like, I've been in Toronto, and, and I've, like, sat down next to a guy on a bench, and we start talking, and then, like, I, I ask him what he thinks about God, and he's like, oh, I don't have to think about God. I am God. I'm controlling the whole universe from this bench as we speak right now, you know, and it's like, oh, really? You know, like, it's, it's easy to go, like, no, you're not, you know, but it's kind of like, a, oh, so you're God? I've been dying to meet you. Excuse the pun. You know, I could just kind of kind of get kind of go from there and not, not like argue or kind of overreact, but just kind of go. It's a conversation back and forth, right? They're going to say some things, and then you'll have a chance to, to, plant, uh, to plant a few pieces of, uh, of truth in there. So let's, uh, let's have a little bit of fun with this. This is just, the, um, this is just um, like one person as a non-Christian, another as, as a Christian, and we'll set up a really simple, this will be easy for us to imagine. Let's just say it's a, it's a nice day, it's a park bench, uh, and the non-Christian is sitting there, and then the Christian just comes up and sits down, and they start chatting, and we'll just kind of, and, and the, the whole thing is just, um, just the intro part, just the, just the, like, the approach and then the transition. We're just going to do that 
that little part there and uh, see how it goes. And the audience, you can kind of watch and, uh, and affirm what was good and then say if there's anything that, that should have happened differently that you would do differently, then uh, kind of go ahead. So do I have a volunteer to be the non-Christian? Some of you have had practice at this, I know. So do I have a volunteer? Like, so, yeah, come on up. Come on up. So, so you can be whatever... Uh, you can be whatever kind of uh, whatever kind of non-Christian you choose to be. It's really really totally up to you. Yeah, you're. So you're, it's a it's a park. And you're sitting on a park bench, and uh, and so you're a Christian. You walk along. You see the guy sitting on the park bench, and God kind of nudges you and says, "You you should go over and talk to that guy and see what happens." So anybody want to volunteer? Anybody want to do it? I'll let you guys have the mic so they can kind of hear you. you can kind of keep What's up? It's okay, man. I got a gut, too. Come on up here. This is a test. We're testing you, bro. This is all about you. Hey, man. Hey. Uh, is this seat taken? Sit down. So, uh, what's your name? This actually happened to me today. <laughs> okay. No, this, this is how this conversation is going to go. My name is Jason. Hey, Jason. Uh, yeah. How up? are you? Good, good, good. Uh, what are you up to? Just sitting here. Sitting here? Looking for work. Looking for work? Yeah. Uh, what kind of stuff have you done today? I'm an engineer. You're I an engineer. Lot, I spend a lot of money on my career, so I got to handle it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Where did you go to school? Went to uh, UMD. UMD? Yeah. Oh, nice. I heard that's a pretty good school. Yeah. It was good for me at the time. Lots of parties. Lots of parties, yeah. <laughs> but look where it got me. Unemployed. Well, unfortunately, sometimes you get canned. It happens. <laughs> <laughs> but Jesus loves you. Are you serious? <laughs> I, I'm very serious. Jesus does love you. Let me tell you a story about Jesus because I just saw this today and it's nuts. I work with this idiot. His name is Mike Lawrence. <laughs> And he took a picture of his house and had a, and he thought it was a cross of Jesus Christ on his house, and he put it on Facebook. And I told him he was nuts. So you don't believe in God? Nope. No, what do you, you know what else he said? It was upside down because the Apostle Peter was crucified upside down. I believe in zero. You believe in nothing? I had a, I'm from Ontario, and I had a bad church experience, and there is no God. You oh, I'm an atheist. You might have figured that out by now. Do you mind if I ask uh, what happened in your bad church experience? 
You can't ask me that. That's a secret. I was only supposed to get to the transition. I went further than the transition, so. So what? What did uh, What did Cormac do right? What did he do that was that was good? Because he did some good stuff there. What's that? Yeah, yeah. He got him talking. He asked him his personal life. He introduced himself. He seemed fairly relaxed, and uh, he was friendly even when he wasn't right. And. Uh, uh, what now at that point where he stalled? Like, what is, was there anything else he could have done there? Because that was kind of a that that was like, no, that's a secret. Boom, you know, the door shut. So, what what do you do in a situation like that? Yeah, yeah, he could have he could have shared his own experience, or just depending on like what you're feeling in the. This is kind of artificial when we're role playing, but like in the moment, you you kind of get a feeling of whether whether or not you should go on or whether you should just like kind of leave and pray for the person or you know whatever whatever it is. But that was a fair. He was fairly definite there. Uh, he might have might have like challenged his unbelief a little bit more. But 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 that is a good question. Like what makes you not believe? Like what happened? Uh, because most most people that say they don't believe in God, they're like way too angry, right? It's like you can't be that mad at somebody who doesn't exist, right? Like either what they really are is they're, they're like mad at God. And they're, they're like given like a talk to the hand, I don't want to believe in you kind of thing. But it's, it's more of a, it's coming out of hurt a lot of times more than, more than any kind of real like intellectual doubt. And so I think, I think you sensed that and you were, you were trying to trying to find out what, what really, uh, really happened there. So thanks a lot. Want to have one more? Want to have one more before we move on? Okay, so uh, who, uh, let me see. Should we, should we pick on some pastors? That would be fun. We got, we got, we got, two, we got at least a couple here, so. Drew, Drew's the Christian? Okay, okay. Okay, we're gonna make, we're gonna make, Graham. This is—I never thought I would say this, but you can be any kind of non-Christian you want to be. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> so where are we gonna put them? What's the setting? What's the setting? On a subway in New York. <laughs> on a subway, on a subway in New York. Okay. I dreamt I was on a subway in New York. <laughs> you are on subway in New York. Oh, dude. oh. You know how you got Oh, here? uh, I, no. I don't know where, where am I? What's your, what's your name? Uh, 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 Mike. <laughs> Mike, Mike, have you, have you been, what have you been up to today? Uh, I, I went to some class thing, fell asleep, and I don't know. 
I think home. Hey, where do you live? Uh, wherever this thing stops. <laughs> How am I working with someone who doesn't know where? <laughs> Give me something. <laughs> oh, I remember now. Yeah, I'm married. Yeah, I got I got three kids, and I haven't slept in uh, like six months ever since the third one was born. work a lot? Yeah, I used to be a pastor. Okay, what do you do now? Not pastor. <laughs> well, that's kind of cool. You know, I'm a pastor. Really? Yeah. Yeah, how do you how do you do it, man? It's got its good days and bad days. Sometimes the youth pick on you and make you do stuff you don't want to do. <laughs> People just drive me crazy. They they say one thing and then they don't do the do it and it just it's just a bunch of hypocrites and I can't take it anymore. It's tough. It's tough. It can be, be difficult. Where did you work? Uh, it was a Baptist church. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I could say a few things, but I won't. <laughs> uh, oh, listen. Um, well, we've already done the approaching transition. <laughs> how, how long do you want us to go? <laughs> I need Jesus, man. Come on. <laughs> Right? I mean, uh, he kind of, he made the transition. I didn't even have to do it. You said help, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I meant, like, you were giving, all he was giving me was non-answers, right? So everything was, I don't know. I don't know what, you know. I was about to ask him if he'd been doing some partying or, you know, because I figured he was playing that he was drunk or something, but I was kind of, yeah. He said I could be any non-believer I wanted to do, so I was playing that. Okay, cool. Well, I, I sensed that he was on something. Yeah. <laughs> There's not a whole lot. Yeah, one of the things we we do a lot of this in our training for New York, and we I say, look, when you when you kind of hit that roadblock, like I don't know what else to do, we just kind of say, hey man, can I pray for you? Is there something yeah. I can pray for you about? And that's often when it turns into, yeah, you know what? Yeah, really, most people are actually we found most everybody's actually really happy to have you pray for them. A few people are like, no, I really rather you didn't, but most people are good with it. So that's what I where I would have went with that, but because pretty much. Well, I mean, could have just kept chatting, having fun, and hanging, you know, see see if something happened. Um, but on a subway, you never know when that, that person's just yeah. going to be gone. So. Yeah, they, they kind of got so that. <laughs> so often, uh, like, yeah, I give these guys a hand. That was, that was fun. Uh, but, yeah, the thing is not to, like, not to have, like, an agenda like this, like an idea of what exactly has to happen. You just take it as far as you can. And when you're sensing like that's it, then you've you've been faithful, you've done your part, and it might sometimes it goes a long way, and sometimes it doesn't go um, that far at all, depending on who you're who you're talking to. Uh, one of the things that that I do when I get to like a certain point is, and if the person is not, if you're sensing they're not wanting to get away, and they're and they're like fairly comfortable, um, I would just I just transition into my testimony, and it's like. Hey, could I just, like, for a couple of minutes, could I tell you, um, like, how I found God or, you know, however you want to phrase it or what Jesus means to me, just whatever, however your testimony is, 
because uh, all of our testimonies are a little bit different. But I just kind of transition into, could I just take a couple of minutes and tell you uh, like my story and then have a really short kind of version of, of what my story is. And so, um, so the, the testimony is, um, yeah, let's see where I'm going the wrong way there. There we go. Uh, testimony is just the story of, it's the story of what God has done in our life. And so it's present tense, and it's kind of non-threatening. And, and so uh, we want to keep it brief, like three to five minutes, something that we can tell pretty quick. We want to keep it, the whole point of a testimony is to point towards Christ, like this is, this is what Christ has done in my life. And uh, oftentimes that's, that can be focused around a key word. Like Jesus has done a lot for all of us, but most of us can pinpoint, like I was, I was really, really in turmoil and Jesus brought me peace, and that's the key word. Or I was kind of lost and I had no purpose, and Jesus gave me a purpose. I was, I was really sick and Jesus healed me. There's, there's a there's a focus or a key word that will help us to shorten our testimony down to something that we can tell to people uh, in a pretty pretty quick manner. And so, so we want to uh, and we want it to be focused. We want it to be biblical, not sensational. Which and what I mean by that is is that like a lot of times we just highlight the most sensational things. So you feel like if I don't have like this, if I don't have an Apostle Paul kind of testimony where Jesus just like knocked me off my horse and did something totally radical. Uh, if I don't have a testimony like that, then I don't have a testimony. And there's a lot of different kinds of testimonies. There's a lot of different ways to be lost and to be apart from Jesus. And, and Jesus is the only way, but there's a lot of different ways that people come to Jesus. And, and so some of us come very suddenly in a moment. Some of us come very gradually over a, like a longer period of time. And there really is no right or wrong way to come to Jesus as long as you come to Jesus. So everybody's testimony is a little different, and it's a uh, it's a little unique. And so we we want it to be uh, we want it to be biblical, and we want it to be balanced. We don't want it to be we don't want to overstate. And like a, an unreal testimony is is like I was depressed, and then I met Jesus, and now I'm always happy all the time. Never say you know that's. Like, that's not a true picture of the Christian life, right? A truer picture would be, like, I was depressed, and when Jesus came into my life, like, it, it made a difference. It's not that I'm never sad. I have moments of sadness now, but my basic default is contentment and happiness. And, you know, I used to be really unhappy, and I would need something to happen to make me happy for a moment, and then I would go back to being unhappy again. Now I'm basically happy and sometimes bad things happen and I get unhappy, but, but basically I'm happy and content. And that's kind of a real, a more of a realistic picture of what it, what it means to live uh, for Christ. And so we, wanna, we want our testimony to be something that shows the difference that God makes in somebody's life, but it's also realistic. It's not, it doesn't sound too good to be true. It's not so far out there that people, people just can't uh, believe it. And so there's, there's, all kinds of, uh, there's all kinds of testimonies that, um, you know, that we could, uh, that we could look at, uh, and we won't take time to do that tonight, but um, 
I, I would suggest like a really good spot if you're, if you're like wanting to learn like how do I, how do I give my testimony in like four or five minutes? Uh, and like how do I focus it? There's a, there's a, a website, there's a book and a website called I Am Second. And the idea is these are, these are mostly, they're, they're people that are known in the culture. They're celebrities of some kind that people would say like you're number one. Like you're one at this, and 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 they they're constantly saying like, no, I am not number one in my own life. I am actually second. Jesus is first in my life. And so, if you go on the website, you can get. Uh, they just sit in a white chair, and for about five minutes, they tell the story of what Jesus has done in their life. And uh, and so you got like Mike Fisher is an NHL hockey player. He's married to uh, Carrie Underwood, uh, and you would. You know, people admire him, and, and he goes like, well, you know, it's okay to admire me, but really the reason I am who I am is because of Jesus, and he, and he points to Jesus. Uh, and you've got, um, like, Tim Tebow. Uh, Brian Welch, was, uh, he, was, uh, he has a, a testimony. He's got a book called Save Me From Myself, and uh, he was a guitar player for uh, the, the band Korn, and... Uh, and, and basically, he has that kind of classic, I was, I had everything, and I was, but I was strung out on drugs. My life was a wreck, and Jesus, Jesus, uh, I cried out to Jesus, and he, and he put my life back together. Uh, and and uh, on, that, on that I Am Second website, there's just some uh, really good examples of, of how, to give, how to give a testimony. Testimonies have different shapes to them. So if you have a real, like, Brian Welch, like, before and after, like, I was a drug addict, and then Jesus delivered me, and now I don't need any drug. If you've got, like, a black and white, in-the-moment kind of testimony, if that's your story, then a before and after way to tell it is going to be really good. Uh, but if you have a different kind of story, uh, like Bethany Hamilton was, uh, was a surfer, and uh, she, you may have seen the movie about her, and she, you know, shark, there was a shark attack, and uh, and so she went through something really traumatic that uh, moved her like a lot closer to Jesus. And so it's the story. Her testimony is the story of, of like, going through something bad uh, and difficult, and in leaning on the strength of God all the way, God got her through that experience in her life, and so. So your testimony is going to take, like whatever your story is, is going to, it's going to take that shape and, and how you tell it. And so here's what I want you to do for about the next uh, five minutes. I want you to just uh, get with somebody else in the room, like some other person sitting beside you or whatever, but just like two of you. And I want you to just uh, tell each other your story. Tell each other your testimony. Just to, just, just to practice sharing it a little bit. Uh, and you may have to work on it you know, and, and kind of like do this, uh, write it out and, and do it like over and over again. But just as an initial thing, if you've never done this before, just get with somebody for like the next five minutes and just tell each other your story, tell each other your testimony, and we'll see how that goes. <laughs> All right, I hate to interrupt you because I know that you're having a good time telling your story. See, you want to tell your story. It's just, it's just getting, it's getting comfortable, isn't it? Getting to that place where you're comfortable telling it. Uh, in the in the last, 
In the last little bit we have, I just want to kind of kind of tie it up um, with the last uh, with the scriptural evidence and then uh, the idea of getting to the to the verdict. And so um, so uh, after if you've told somebody your testimony and they're like just really you know they're listening and they seem really interested uh, at at that point. I usually, you know, if they, if they seem like they want to stay, I say, you know, could I show you something in the Bible that really helped me? Or, or if, I'm using, uh, if I'm using something like, uh, like a little booklet, like the Steps to Peace with God, I'll say, like, hey, is it okay if I show you something that, uh, you know, it's just a little booklet. It's by Billy Graham. It's all out of the Bible. But I found it really helpful in my own life. Could I show you what it says? And, and then the person will either say, like, yes, or they don't have time. And if they don't have time, if you have something, it's a good thing. Is like, well, you know, hey, like, if I gave this to you, would you, do you think you could read it sometimes? When people make a promise to read something, usually they'll, they'll remember it, and they'll, they'll follow through, and they'll take a look at it. Um, I actually, uh, there, was a, there was a lady one time in Sussex that, that uh, my wife and I were, were uh, witnessing to, and, and uh, I actually... I actually did. I actually like left one of these with her, and uh, and we we made arrangements to kind of meet the next week. And uh, and she and when we went back, she was like, "Hey, I read that little book and I did that thing." And I was like, "What?" And she's like, "I read that little book and I did that thing at the back." And I'm like, "What thing?" You know where you pray. I, I did that, and I was like, "Good." And then I had a chance to actually explain. You know, kind of go through it with her and explain. But you never know what's going to happen if you. If you can uh, give somebody something, and so, uh, so whether you highlight some places in your Bible, some people use like what they call the Romans Road, which is a very like engineering kind of student one two three four way to do it. Other people like use that verse out of Revelation where Jesus says, "I stand at the door and knock," and you have to open the door. Uh, and then there's like the old uh, like John three, "You must be born again." That whole passage where Jesus talks to Nicodemus. What, uh, whatever you use, the idea is, is that it's the, the Bible says the truth sets us free. And so we need to get people to the truth. We need to get them to the Scripture. And so, so the goal is to, like, get from my testimony to, uh, to, to the Word. Like, the Word is, it's not my story, it's God's story. And uh, we, we want to present it in a way that matches the audience and so, like, sometimes if I'm, like, working at a, uh, a food bank or something um, and I'm talking to people, it's a soup kitchen, um, this, is a, this is the Gospel of John, and on the front of it, it just says, food for your soul. And, uh, and it's, it's, the, it's a little piece of the Bible, but it's kind of based on the metaphor of food, so it fits the environment. If I'm out like at night in Halifax and we're we're going to the skate park to give away McChickens and talk to people about Jesus, uh, I got one that's got like a skate park kind of picture on it. And so what you want to do is just con- kind of contextualize it to whoever the audience is. And so what I prefer is just to use like to give people a little piece of the Bible, the Gospel of John. I say, hey, this is a snapshot of Jesus' life, right? And, and like. Uh, if you if you read it, you'll get a good idea of of who Jesus is and what God is all about. And a lot of these have uh, a lot of them have like at the beginning, they will have a 
like an explanation of, of like this is how this is how you give your life to Jesus, uh, and it includes it includes a prayer that you can pray to invite Jesus in your life and that that kind of thing. So, um, so I like always having something like this with me so I can like give it to somebody if they uh, if they don't have time that to go. Uh, uh, there's a lot of really really bad Christian material like that you want to avoid. It's like everything else. Like there's good. There's good ways to do it and bad ways to do it. Like anything that's like a trick, like this, this, is, this would work more in America. But the idea is like you, if people don't really care and they don't really want to witness to people, they'll try to find a way to relieve their own guilt. So it's like, I'll just take this track and I'll leave it on the floor. And the idea is like somebody comes along, they go, look, there's a dollar bill. And they pick up the dollar bill. And then when they open it up, uh, hey, it's a tract on the other side. And it says, disappointed. Like, I'd be kind of disappointed if it wasn't a dollar bill. But it's like, disappointed? You won't be if you give your life to Jesus. And it's like, ah, you know. And it's so, it's just bad. So anything like that or, like, I believe in hell, but it's not a good place to start. It's not like, hey, Jesus loves you. Hell. You know, it's just like, it's just a bad way to start. Uh, anything with, like, that has scary graphics on it. Like, there's a lot of these floating around. Um, and they're really, like, really extreme, uh, extremely bad ways to present the gospel. This is, this is one that you're supposedly supposed to give to, like, everybody has, like, insurance people. And so this is like, you know, hey, I get an insurance policy from you. Now let me give you an insurance policy. This is the eternal life insurance policy. And you kind of, like, here it is. You read it. It tells you all about Jesus, and you sign at the bottom, and it's, like, just really, really cheesy and bad. And so... Uh, so I would suggest just, you know, use, use the Bible. Like use, and the Gospel of John is a really, really uh, easy, easier uh, kind of place for people to start in the Bible. If you just hand people the Bible and they start in Deuteronomy, they're going to be in trouble, right? It's just not like they've got to start with the story of Jesus and start with the easier stuff and work back to the hard stuff. So we want to present it in a way that matches the audience and the culture, understandable, portable, biblical, um, lifting Jesus up without dumbing the gospel down. So we, if we're giving them like the, you know, the cartoon Bible, it might be too, you know, it's like too simple. So the idea is to present a clear picture of who Jesus is, what he has done on the cross, and how he wants us to respond. And, uh, and so any, any presentation, like any way you... Uh, kind of package the scripture so that people get a clear picture of who Jesus is, what he's done on the cross, and, and what he wants us to do. Anything that does that is, is good. Anything that kind of muddies up the picture with something else uh, might not be as helpful for people. And so every, every presentation of the gospel, no matter how it's worded, um, basically... Uh, you basically have to find a way to just get to the main things. And so in, in some ways, I would always just like to give the people, give people the whole, you know, give them the New Testament, give them the Bible. But you've, if you have to summarize it, uh, the four things that people need to understand is that, is that, you know, God loves you and he's got a will or he's got a plan for your life. Uh, we've been separated from God by sin. Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sin and bring us back to God. And then we must choose to accept what Christ has done for us and invite him 
Uh, he just doesn't barge in. We have to invite him to be, um, to be the Lord of our life, uh, to be God in our life. And so there's a lot of different ways to say that. Uh, there's a lot of different ways you can present that, but you have to have those four main things. People need to understand those four main things in order to, in order to uh, become a Christian and start on a good foundation. So, so our understanding is like a foundation where we start from. And, and so, so it's kind of like marriage. You, you know, you, uh, the, um, the, the wedding ceremony is not the marriage, but if, but if you go through the ceremony and you understand everything about it, it's going to help you to start out the marriage uh, in the right way and to have a good foundation to start from. And it's the same. However, whatever we understand when we accept Jesus is our foundation. And if there's some stuff left out there, it's going to mess us up later on. And so we want to, we want to have the main things uh, right, and we want people to really, to really understand them. And so the verdict, kind of coming down to the verdict, is just that idea that, you know, we've, uh, we've built a relationship with somebody, we've, we've listened to them, we've learned about them, we've, we've uh, talked about spiritual things and told them our testimony, we've even shown them, like, what the Bible says, and then it's, the, the verdict is just, like, I'm, I need to bring them down to, uh, to a conclusion about Jesus and see us C.S. Lewis said that um, there's only three really logical conclusions that you can come to about Jesus. Uh, you can say, you know, Jesus was, he was a religious charlatan. Like, he knew he wasn't God, but he was pretending to be God. And then he got caught in his own lie, and he died on the cross. So he was, he was a liar. Or maybe he was delusional. Maybe he thought he was the Son of God, but he wasn't, you know, and he ended up dying on a cross. Or he really was who he said he was. Uh, he, when he said, I am, you know, the Jews understood that to mean like he was claiming to be God. Okay, they didn't, they didn't kill Jesus because he was a nice guy. They didn't kill him because he was singing, singing Skittle Marinky Dinky Doo and like or he was Mr. Rogers or like, he, you know, they they. They killed, uh, you know, Jesus was killed because, because he claimed to be God, uh, and that was very offensive to them. And so, so those, are, uh, those are the only three logical conclusions you can come to. You can't, you can't say Jesus was just a good man because uh, a good man doesn't go around claiming to be God. You can't say that, uh, you, you can't say that he was a great prophet because he, he said he was more than that. He very clearly... He very clearly said in the Scripture that he was the Son of God. And, uh, and the Bible says he died on the cross to pay for our sins. And that, and that if we confess, you know, if we confess Jesus with our, or believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that he is Lord, that, that we'll be saved, that we'll go to heaven and spend eternity with him. And, and uh, it, it's very, the Bible is actually very clear. Uh, the Bible is... Uh, like, a lot of people spend time, like, worrying about, like, what's in between the lines in the Bible. Like, just, if you just read the Bible, what it says right out in plain, in plain black and white print is, like, challenging enough. You don't have to go looking around for special numbers or anything like that. It's, it's like, the Bible is very clear about who Jesus is. And so, so our goal is to help people to understand, like, Jesus, 
Jesus loves you. He's got a plan for your life. But all of us are, all of us are sinners. And so we need, to, we need to turn from that. We need to come to Jesus, accept what he did on the cross, and, and invite him to be God in our lives. That, that, is, the, that is the gospel. Um, and, and no matter how we state that, that's basically what we're, we're asking people to come to some kind of a, some kind of a conclusion about that. And so, so the idea is to, is to bring him down to a decision. Sometimes people will be like, no, I don't believe that at all. And it's like, well, okay. And you kind of find a way to gracefully, uh, gracefully say, well, you know, I'm just going to keep on praying for you. And, you know, uh, we're, we're going to be friends anyway, no matter what, whether you believe or not believe, I'm always going to be your friend. Um, sometimes people are ready to accept. And if they're ready to accept, we just take them through, we take them through uh, what some people have called the sinner's prayer. It's not actually in the Bible what the ideas are in the Bible. And it's just those, it's those four, it's like praying through those four things and saying, you know, God, I want you in my life. I want what you have for me. Uh, a lot of times people will be like, I'm just, I'm just not ready. And then I sometimes I have a conversation like, what do you think's holding you back? If they can pinpoint, like, what's holding them back. And often it's just like one thing. It's just like, man, I love to drink, and I don't want to get, I, I get a feeling I'm going to have to stop getting drunk if I give my life to Jesus. Uh, or, you know, I really, there was a guy at reform school a couple weeks ago, and uh you know, we were, we were talking to these troubled teens that are in reform school about Jesus, and uh, we play sports with them, and they do a chapel service, and then we talk with them one-on-one. And this kid was really loud, and all he kept saying was like, I don't care, man. I love weed. I love to smoke weed. His whole life was just about weed. Like, that's, he was stuck there, right? And, uh, and there, there was, there's, there's not much you can do, you know, he's just, there's not much you can do to, like, make, to, you can't push somebody over the line of faith, but uh, if someone says I'm not, I'm not just not ready. Oftentimes, it's just like because of one thing that they don't want to give up. And so, if you can even help them to identify that, they'll start to think about it like in their in their own lives. But uh, you know, I usually say things. Well, you, you know, it's good that you're taking this seriously. It's not a light decision. And so, man, I'm just going to keep you know praying for you, and and uh, um, you know, I'm just going to pray, and you get to that point where you, where you are ready. But trying to end in the positive. And not uh, not make it a negative, even if they don't if they don't accept Jesus. So uh, we have a few minutes left, and I um, I want to take some questions if you have any before we run out of time. That's a really really super quick incomplete version of what I, I do over like on, at at school at the at Kingswood. We te- kind of take four months and go through go through like a lot of stuff, but that's just kind of the quick uh, two-hour kind of version of it. Um, so any question you have about evangelism, about a situation that uh, somebody you've been talking to or a situation uh, about witnessing or just any question you might have? Anybody got a question? Anything you want to say, Pastor Graham? Yeah, I just say, like, hey, you know what? I've never really thought about that. I don't know the answer, but uh, I don't know the answer to that right now, but I can, like, I can try to find it, and we can talk again. Like, try to, you know, just be really honest about it, but, uh, but uh, try, and then try to find the answer and go back and have a further conversation with them.
but don't like don't try to fake it because people know when you're faking it if they ask you a, uh, like a super obscure question that you know about dinosaurs or the Bible or whatever, and you're just like I, I haven't even thought about that. So uh, we we need to have like it's good to have a working knowledge of of some things, but and and to kind of study. But uh, none of us are ever going to get to the point where we know everything. We know the answer to every question. So. Um, you know, God, and sometimes God will just give us wisdom. He'll give us wisdom of what to say. We'll find ourselves like sharing things we didn't even know that we knew, you know, in, in that moment. Yeah. Yeah, I usually try to keep, like, steering it back to, like, the person in G, like, the main things. Uh, but if they really want to talk about something, you know, like, if they want to go down a route, I'll, I'll try to answer their questions and, and go there. If it seems like it's legitimate and they really, you know, they really do have issues, they really do have questions, questions about that. And so, um, so I, I do, like, uh, in my class, I do, like, a whole section on apologetics. We go through, like, all the hard questions uh, about, uh, you know, why is there evil in the world and, you know, all of those, uh, all of those kinds of things. There's a lot of things that people say that are, you know, it's like, why, you know, if, if God is a God of love, like, why, why are there still children starving in the world? And I usually say something like, well, you know, actually, there's enough. God has provided us with enough resources. There's enough food in the world for everybody to eat and live comfortably at a middle-class level. It's, uh, it's because some people hoard food and keep it from others, and there's corrupt government. It's like God is not actually the problem. He's given us everything we need. We are the problem. We don't know how to share it with one another. So I'll, I'll like... I'll kind of redirect it that way. Um, so just depending on what the, what the question is. But sometimes I just have to say, you know what? I don't know, but I do know that, like, God loves you. And he, you know, I don't know everything, but, like, there are some things that I do know. Uh, I do know. I once was lost and now I'm found. I do know that, you know, the, that kind of redirecting it that way. Yep. Right. Yeah, and you just you just kind of meet people where they're at, and uh, it like they say that it takes they say that it takes like five to seven times of somebody like hearing the gospel before it starts to sink in and make sense. And so the way that I look at evangelism is is like it's. God uses like a long chain of people over a period of time in somebody's life. And, and so I might be, like I might be number five on the chain. Like in my job is just to, my job is just to plant a seed or to move that person a little bit closer. Somewhere down the line, God's going to use somebody to really like at that moment where they really give their life to God. And, and I'm just playing a small part in it. And if we see ourselves that way, it helps us from not getting discouraged because, like, God is, God is ultimately the one who saves people, and he just uses us as instruments along the way. 
So it's just a matter of like figuring out, okay, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? Maybe it's just a small thing. Maybe it's just giving somebody something and loving them and, and smiling at them, and you don't, you don't feel like it's much at all, and you don't realize later on you hear that it's, that it's, had, a, it's had an impact on them and that you didn't even, didn't even know about. And so, um, so I, I kind of try to keep that in mind and just try to be, like, try to pray while you're talking to, like, God, what is it that you want to do here? Like, what do you, what do you, because the reality is that God has already worked. As soon as people are born into the world, God is working on them. He's working on them, trying to bring them to himself. And uh, so God is in the situation a long time before we get there. He's with us by the Holy Spirit while we're there, and he's with, he's with us a long time after. Uh, and he will, he will uh, do everything he can to get into that person's life, to have a relationship with that person. So it's not, it's not really like all on us. We just play a little part. Uh, in it along the way, and so. Yeah, like the, in different, uh, like the more, the more upper middle class where people kind of have it together, where they've got their, where they're functioning and they've got their life together, there's less interest and in, there's less, people don't realize they need Jesus until they hit a crisis. And so in those kind of environments, it's more like, yeah, I don't really have time. Like, I got stuff. To, I got my life. I got stuff to do. I don't want to talk to you about that. Uh, the, the more, the, the poorer, um, let me put it this way. The more broken, the more open. That's what I found. The more broken the environment that you're working in, the more open. People will have a lot more issues. It'll be complicated. But the more broken they are, the quicker they will open up because it's almost like a, it's like an open wound. They're just looking for somebody to help them. They're looking for somebody to talk to. Um, I go to prison once a month. Uh, people, a lot of Christians are like afraid of prison. Listen, prison is the easiest place in the world to do evangelism. I would rather go to prison any day than, than go down to the Champlain Mall and try to talk to people. Uh, like in pr- all I have to do in prison is, w- is walk in there and, and guys are coming over and they're spilling out their life story because they're so, they're, they're, they know they're lost. Like you don't, have to, you don't have to tell a prisoner that he's a sinner, right? He got it. It's like, I broke God's law, I broke man, I broke everybody's law. That's why I'm here, right? And so, so you, can start, uh, you can start, like they're already looking for hope. They're looking for an answer. And so... So the more you're at a soup kitchen or you're on the streets of, like, the more broken the environment, the more open people will be to the gospel. And then the, the more self-sufficient they are, there's, a, there's pride and everything there, and you'll, you'll find it much harder in those places. And so, and that's biblical, too, that the, the gospel, Jesus went to the poor. Like, he didn't start with the rich and then kind of work his way down. He, like, it, the gospel always comes from the bottom up in a society because, because I just think if we're if we're poor and needy and we're uh, we're aware of our we're aware of our own weakness, then we will um, then we'll we'll naturally when we're knocked down we look up, and uh, if we're if we we think we get it all together and we're proud we won't be looking for God, and uh, but when when life knocks us down we just naturally look up and so um, so it's I I don't think it's a bad idea to be. Like, keep your eye out uh, for those who are in crisis. Because that's, it's not that you're manipulating, it's just that that's when people are more open to the gospel.
Right, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, there's, depending on, you know, like the situation, if you feel like you can get away with it, um, I would just probe a little bit about, like, what that means, because uh, it's, it's like, have you ever stolen a pencil from work? Have you ever stolen a paperclip? Because all you have to, like, if you steal one thing, that makes you a thief. And according to the Ten Commandments, you know, thieves don't go to heaven. And so... So when we say I'm good, what we really mean is like I'm better than Hitler, you know, or I'm, you know, it's like measuring ourselves against Jesus, like, you know, none of us are good. And so I try to steer them in that, that direction uh, just to make them think about like that, you know, are we really good? Are we really basically good? Uh, if we're good, why is there like 150 wars raging on the planet right now? Like if we're really good, why do, you know, why are all of these bad things happening. Uh, the truth is, is that we're a mixture. We're, we're, God is good and Satan is evil, and we're kind of right in the middle. Uh, and we're in this life, we're voting who we're going to be like. Uh, and we're, we're, sometimes we're, we can do incredibly good things, and we can do incredibly bad things all in the same day. And uh, I try to help people to see that, like that we we're we're kind of caught in between, and we're we're in a spiritual battle, and uh, and and we're we're it's not like we're totally evil, but we're not good either. We we need a savior. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they have some <laughs> there was some problems in the reasoning too. Is perfection like? Sin means sin means missing the mark, which means imperfection. So, so what they're saying is like I'm imperfect and perfect at the same time, which really doesn't make sense. So, like, help them to see that. But not everybody is not everybody like cares about logic, though. So sometimes, like especially postmodern people, it's just like nothing has to make sense. I'm just going to take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, mix it all together, and I don't even care if it makes sense. And so, sometimes with those kind of people, all you can do is go like, you know what? I'm just going to pray for, like, I'm going to pray that God really reveals himself to you, that God just, like, smacks you upside the head and really, really gets your attention, you know, and really just, like, invades your life. Because that's the only, only, the only thing you're going to pay attention to is, like, if you experience God. And so I've, I've seen that happen, too. Yeah, Drew? Yeah, um, I think I think a lot of it has to do with like our own our own beliefs and our own attitudes. Like I have a sneaking suspicion that there's a lot of people that have um, like their experience with Jesus has been mixed in with a lot of religion, and they're they're not like they they don't in their heart they don't believe when they're witnessing to people that they're that they're sharing something good. Because if you think about it, like if I gave you $100 and I said, go down to the mall and just give this away, you're going to feel like Santa Claus. You're going to go like, you're going to be looking at people and you're going to be like, I'm going to give it to that guy over there. And he's going to be like, you know, because you're doing something good, right? You're not going to hesitate. You're not going to be like, oh, how are they going to react? You're going to. And so I just, I just try to remind myself, like, Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. And, uh, and I'm just going to share that. And so I'm totally... Like, I'm pretty relaxed about it, and I'm pretty, even if they're defensive, I'm like, hey, man, 
I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I'm just trying to give you something good. Like, I can't make you take it, but, like, it's good. I tried it. It works. You know, just, like, taking that approach and that, that, like, that just helps it. Like, if you're relaxed, the other person will be more relaxed. And, and so I think, uh, I think just being, like, convinced in our own hearts that, that uh, there, there's, a, there's a, a guy that I work with named Jason Parker. I don't know if any of you know him. He's, he, like, he, he worked at Harvest House for a while here in Moncton, and he, like, he will walk up to anybody, anywhere, and tell them about Jesus. And his secret is just a really simple one. His secret was he was a really, really broken person, and, he found, and Jesus was, like, the best thing that he ever found. And he's just 100% convinced of that. And so he just, like, there's no, he just has a way of, like, charming everybody because he's so excited about talking about Jesus, like, that, that other people get on board with it. And it's, it's because of, like, it, that's something that can only happen in our hearts, right? Like, and so that's why, that's why our own relationship with God is so important. Like, if, I'm, if my relationship with God is really vibrant and fresh, I'll have, like, so much easier time witnessing. And, and if I'm just witnessing out of duty or because somebody else told me to, it's going to be really hard and feel really fake. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to feel like work all the time, so... Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right, right. Yeah, I had to do that with my own family. Like, I really had to. And there was, there, was, there was a period there before they came around. There were, like, there was a period where, like, I was an outsider. And it, and it was tense. And I just had to, like, the Bible, the Bible, like, says that we have to put Jesus. Like, I just had to make a conscious decision. Like, you know what? Like, I'm putting Jesus first no matter what. And even if they don't understand, like, I'm going to. Like, you know, so I had, like, when I was younger, I, like, my father would be like, I want you to run down the liquor store and buy this for me. And I'm like, I'm like no, nah, I'm not doing that. What do you mean you're not doing that? Well, I'm a Christian, and I'm not going in there, and I'm not buying that because I don't agree with it. And he, like, got really angry. But I just had to, st- like, I stood my ground because I felt like that's what God wanted me to do. And, uh, you know, they, ev- they eventually kind of came around to understand standing that and actually actually like I think admiring it but it took a while to get there and so so sometimes it is, it is really tough I'm not going to downplay that like it is really tough but um, if you feel like God like wants you to take a stand in certain ways you just have to do it and you have to say like so our relationship with Jesus always has to be first it's like I don't care what anybody else thinks like I'm doing this because because it's what Jesus wants me to do well, I don't want. I know it's like nine o'clock, and I want to like hold you guys up. But I hope, uh, hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, I feel like there's a ton that I left out, uh, but hopefully it was at least somewhat comprehensible, and you got something out of it. Uh, thanks for thanks for coming out, and uh, you know maybe we'll do it again sometime. And uh, I, I can hang around for a little bit after if you have like individual questions or whatever. I can just like hang out up here, but. Uh, 
Thanks for coming. Can I, can I, uh, can I, can I pray for us before we go? And, uh, and then we'll just take off. But God, thank you for, um, for your, your plan for us, your love for us. Thank you for, thank you that you've included us in the Great Commission. And so I just pray for everybody here, God, including myself, God, that you would just open up divine appointments uh, for people at school, people at work, uh, for the New York team when they go in October. Uh, God, we do want to be your instruments. We do want to be your hands and feet and your voice. And uh, so I pray that uh, as we're faithful and just, and just uh, telling people about you, that you will bring people to yourself through the people in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Awesome. Thanks, guys.